Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Sanctification, and the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. E.C. Hadley. Part 2 of 2. Gleanings. Every believer is indwelt by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. I ought to say therefore, when I rise in the morning, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in me, will produce in me this day the walk and ways, the temper and deportment of Christ. If I do not hinder him by the allowance of the flesh. The opposition of the world, the flesh and the devil are nothing to him, if I am contented to be a broken vessel for him to use. HCA separation from evil, when in fellowship of the Spirit, is separation unto God in true holiness, and in the title of Christ the appointed heir in resurrection life and glory. And what is this but real strength in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we merely act from impulse, when the impulse subsides, the acting will subside also. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the author of this article is unknown. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, John chapter 1 verses 33 to 34, Acts chapter 1 verse 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 As every man by birth and practice since the fall of Adam has been a sinner against God, God could not dwell with him for he is holy. In his grace and goodness God visited man, speaking to him in these characters, working in him by his Holy Spirit. We find instances of this in the Old Testament. Also 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This was in old time. John the Baptist also was to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, Luke chapter 1 verse 15. God roared by his Spirit from the beginning both in creation and redemption, and he will do so to the end. It is the will of the Spirit. The three in one are always found acting together in one mind and purpose. So the work of the Spirit goes on in men through all ages. But now that redemption is fully accomplished, and Christ is the exalted glorified man at God's right hand, the Holy Spirit has come to this earth to dwell in person. And if we follow out the scriptures that speak of it, we shall find much to comfort our hearts in this blessed fact. We shall find as in John chapter 14 verse 17, he dwells with you and shall be in you, and in verse 16, he is to abide with us forever. He is that other comforter the Lord promised to send, after he went away, John chapter 14 to 17. Many are the offices he performs for those in whom he dwells. In Romans chapter 8 verse 2, he is the power of the new life in us. In verses 15 to 17, he gives the cry, Abba Father. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, he is called, the Spirit of his Son, for he gives us the proper feelings of affection as children of God. He is the witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, he is the first fruits of the blessing we are to receive later in the glory, Romans chapter 8 verse 23, E.P.A. 113 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 5, and he helps our infirmities, making intercession for us when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, Romans chapter 8 verse 26. He sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts, Romans chapter 5 verse 5, and takes of the things of Christ and shows them unto us, John chapter 16 verses 14 to 15. He gives comfort and joy, Acts chapter 9 verse 31, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6. 2.10-13, he unfolds the deep things of God, we receive them by him, and he gives words to communicate him to others. Our carelessness, worldliness, or want of diligence, hinders him in unfolding to us the things of Christ, so that he often needs to occupy us with our failures, that we may judge ourselves and get Christ again before our hearts. May the Lord help the dear reader to meditate more on these things. It is meditation that makes the truth good to our souls. We have the divine assurance that he will not leave us, that he dwells in us, forever, and, unto the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, which means, not till we do something to grieve him, but, till Christ comes to claim his purchased possession. The beginning of this article gives the scriptures that refer to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
There are other ways he is spoken of, such as the anointing, the seal, the earnest, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 to 22. He is all of these in us. As the anointing, he is our power for discerning the truth, and also our power for service and worship, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, 1 John chapter 2 verses 20, 27. As the seal, he marks out the redeemed ones as being God's very own, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. As the earnest, he brings to us a foretaste of what we shall soon possess in glory. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, Christ's coming is foretold. It is his coming to Israel as the king who will bless his willing people, and bring judgment upon the wicked. The baptism of fire refers to the judgment that he will bring upon the ungodly among them, verse 12. John chapter 1 verse 33 points out the one that was to do this, marking him as the one the Holy Spirit descended and remained upon, as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John saw and bare record, that this is the Son of God. In Acts chapter 1 verse 5 the time is announced as near, that this baptism was to take place. The work of the cross is finished, and the Lord is risen, and has been seen of his disciples forty days. But now he must ascend to the Father's right hand and be glorified or the Spirit will not come, John chapter 7 verses 39, 16, 7. Then he ascends and the disciples are left waiting and praying for ten days. After the fifty days, Pentecost, are fulfilled, Acts 2, and the Holy Spirit descended, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. He was now come to dwell on earth in him, and this blessed Spirit was to witness with them, John chapter 15 verses 26 to 27. Each of the disciples was a temple of the Holy Spirit, but also all of them together became the temple of God, the Spirit of God dwelt in them. Compare 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 with 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. They were builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. 1 Cor. 12 adds to all this, and unfolds to us the truth that we are one with Christ. Verse 12 tells of this one body. Verse 13 tells how this body is formed, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Here we get how the body of Christ was formed, it was by the Holy Spirit coming upon them. The Holy Spirit was poured upon the believing Jews at Pentecost, and on the believing Gentiles, Acts chapter 10 verses 44 to 45 and 11 verse 16. The baptism of the Holy Spirit took place at that time. The church, the body of Christ, began then, and believers were all united into one. There is one body, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. When individuals since then are sealed with the Holy Spirit, they are thus united also to the body formed at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit himself becoming the living link that links them up with the head in heaven and the other members of the body on earth. This baptism could not take place twice, the body could not be formed twice, but receiving the Spirit puts the individual believer into the body as part of it. So it is true of us all. By one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. This is union with Christ and with each believer in him. We are one body, united to each other, and to Christ our glorious head, part of himself, as he said to Saul, Acts chapter 9 verse 4, Why persecutest thou me? Wonderful union. I would add a few words on the difference of being sealed with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. On reading the scriptures on sealing, we find, ye are sealed, it is an accomplished fact and always true, it never alters. God never takes his spirit away from those he has sealed unto the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. But we read, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. We are only filled with the spirit in the measure in which we abandon the things that grieve him and walk in the spirit allowing him to have full control of us. At Pentecost all were filled with the Spirit, then again later in Acts chapter 4 verse 31, but this did not continue as soon afterwards we find there was murmuring among them. We read of Peter and others on several occasions being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
but we read also of Peter on another occasion that he had to be withstood to the face by the Apostle Paul because he walked not uprightly, Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 to 14. He was not then filled with the Spirit, though he was still sealed with the Spirit. The Spirit was still dwelling in him, but he was not at that moment full of the Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, 518. Arrange. Some questions as to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A. Do you believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as spoken of in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, is being poured out in this day? B. Is it intended for the present day? C. Is one qualified to judge regarding it, if she or he has not received the experience? A. There was only one baptism of the Holy Spirit. This event took place at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down from the glorified Christ in heaven, John chapter 7 verse 32, Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. The Holy Spirit is a divine person of the Godhead, not an influence. I will send him, not it, unto you. He will reprove the world of sin. He will guide you into all truth, etc. Since Pentecost the Holy Spirit in person is now dwelling in the believers here on earth, he dwells with you and shall be in you, John chapter 14 verses 16 to 17. There could not be another outpouring of the Holy Spirit today as in Acts 2. It is a denial of the presence here on earth of the person of the Holy Spirit, to pray or sing, Lord. Send the power, or, the fire, for the Spirit is already here. The following scriptures speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as future, shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, Mark chapter 1 verse 8, Luke chapter 3 verse 16, and John chapter 1 verse 33, Acts chapter 1 verse 5. In Acts chapter 1 verse 5 the Lord made it very clear that, not many days hence, this baptism with the Holy Spirit was to take place, and so it was, only ten days after the ascension of Christ. Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost he has shed forth, etc., on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 33. This is an important point to note, the Holy Spirit, in person, was sent here consequent to the glorification of the crucified one, John chapter 7 verse 39. Acts chapter 10 verses 44 to 47 is not to be considered as a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, although very manifestly. God did make these believing Gentiles partake in the like gift as he did unto the Jews, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 11 verse 17. It is well to note here that there was no tarrying for the Holy Spirit, nor praying for him to come upon them. Peter was preaching to them, to him give all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, vv. 43, 44. As they heard the gospel that whosoever believes in Christ receives remission of sins, they believed it and received immediately the Holy Spirit. The inspired apostle says the same of the Ephesians, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Thus their receiving the Holy Spirit is directly connected with their faith in Christ upon hearing the gospel. In Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 we have the same truth, when they heard the gospel and put faith in it, they received the Spirit. The apostles were told to tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the simple reason that the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified, John chapter 7 verse 39. On Pentecost the Holy Spirit came and is now dwelling personally with and in the believers. So now, since he has come, when a sinner repents and believes the gospel the Holy Spirit takes up his abode in him. And thus he also becomes a member of the body of Christ and shares with the other members the gift of the 
Holy Spirit who came down from the glorified Christ on the day of Pentecost and baptized the believers into one body. The first Samaritans that believed did not receive the Spirit immediately as did the Gentiles, but the reason is evident when we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. These Samaritan believers upon receiving the Holy Spirit would become fellow members with the Jewish believers at Jerusalem of this one body formed by the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But there was racial hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, they had no dealings one with another, see John chapter 4 verse 9. In order to efface this and to make it evident that they were to be considered not separate companies but one body together. God purposely withheld his spirit in the case of these first believers of Samaria until the apostles came down from Jerusalem and laid their hands on them. We do not read that this was ever repeated with the Samaritans that believed after this. The only other case recorded of the spirit being given by the laying on of the hands of the apostles is in Acts chapter 19 verse 6. Paul comes to Ephesus and finds some disciples there. He immediately put the test to them whether they were really believers in Christ by asking whether they had received the Holy Spirit. Then it comes out that they had not heard of the Holy Spirit for they were only disciples of John the Baptist. Paul preaches to them that they should believe on Christ as John told the people they should do. They believed and were baptized and Paul lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. By this God bore witness to Paul and his message by making it thus evident that he was sent of God for the great work that God did through him there read the whole chapter. This laying on of hands was not repeated that we read of. Paul writing to all the believers of Ephesus later says of them simply, after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Paul's case was a special one, Acts chapter 9 verses 10 to 18. That proud Pharisee and ardent persecutor of the disciples of Jesus was struck down and blinded by the brightness of the Lord's glory. Yet the Lord in his sovereign and wise ways does not heal his blinded eyes nor give him the Holy Spirit directly but gives it to him through the laying on of hands of one of those despised disciples that Paul had intended to persecute. b. In this present day every soul who has received the Lord Jesus by faith, is a child of God, belongs to those who are God's sons, Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. The inspired writer raises the questions, Galatians chapter 3 verse 2, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law. By doing something, answer, no, or, by the hearing of faith. By believing the gospel, answer, yes. Now that makes it plain, all blessings, as believers in the crucified one, came to them by the way of the glad tidings which they believed and received, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. See, it would be better to say, received the Holy Spirit, rather than, received the experience. Scripture never speaks of it as an experience. The word experience is likely to get one occupied with the emotions and feelings or outward evidences, whereas the Holy Spirit never occupies us with our feelings but rather turns our attention to the Word of God, to the love of God and the unsearchable riches of Christ. When we receive the Holy Spirit we receive a person not an experience. God sends him into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, and he bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, Romans chapter 8 verses 15 to 16. No doubt joy will result from this. Now as to your question if we can know whether we have received the Holy Spirit or not, yes, certainly, if we will but believe the plain statements of God's word. Take the verses just referred to, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, and, the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba. 
Father, if you can look up to God and call him your father in the consciousness that you are his child, it is evident that you have received the Spirit, for it is by the Spirit that we cry, Abba. Father, are you conscious of God's love to you? Then you can say on the authority of Romans chapter 5 verse 5 that you have received the Holy Spirit. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. If you gladly own Jesus as your Lord and Master, then according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 2 you have the Holy Spirit. For no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Many other passages could be referred to but we have not the space for it now. But these few are mentioned in addition to what was said in answer to your first question where we saw that, now that the Holy Spirit is come down to dwell in and with the believers. All that believe have him dwelling in them. All outward signs are not trustworthy in this day of ruin, where there is so much empty profession and so little reality, and especially since Satan is filling the world with his counterfeits. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Speaking in tongues and working miracles. Many believe that unless one can speak with tongues one has not received the Holy Spirit, but in this day of the churches ruin a true Christian, guided by the word of God need not be troubled nor allow others to trouble him because he is not able to do signs and wonders or speak with tongues. The apostles and others had this special gift, Acts chapter 2 verse 4, 43, 430, 512, 14 to 3, but even in the beginning not all spake with tongues or did miracles. But all who believed were sealed with the Holy Spirit, see 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 to 22, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. The questions of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 29 to 30 show conclusively that all did not speak with tongues. Every member in the body of Christ has a place and service, but each member, however useful, has not the same gifts. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to these questions is clearly, no. And note it well that the Apostle is speaking to those who have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, see verse 13. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 the Lord Jesus spoke of building the church or assembly and in Acts 2 this work was begun. God was pleased to introduce this new testimony with signs and wonders, the ascended glorified Lord was working with them, his own, and confirming the word with signs following, Mark chapter 16 verses 17 to 20. The gift of tongues especially became the manifest token of this divine work. Scriptures show that the gospel was told out by the gift of tongues, for the strangers heard the wonderful works of God, each in his own dialect, Acts chapter 2 verse 4, 8, 11, 10, 46, 19 to 6. But it is wrong to conclude that one had not the Spirit of God if he had not this special gift. Tongues were for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 21 to 22. This is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 28 verses 11 to 12. We see from this prophecy that it was a sign especially intended to demonstrate to the unbelieving Jews the guilt in rejecting Christ. The confusion of tongues had been brought in through sin, Genesis chapter 11 verses 6 to 9. The law had been given to one nation and in one tongue, but now when God sent forth his pardoning grace to whosoever, it went forth in the many tongues in which everyone was born, therefore. There could be no doubt but that this was of God. But very early in the church's history, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we find the gift of tongues much misused, and the assembly appeared to the unlearned as a company being mad, verse 23. This was the very opposite of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 where those who had the Spirit of God were characterized as of a sound mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8 we are told, tongues shall cease, although the time is not given. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 to 22 three characteristic things are mentioned in connection with the Holy Spirit, 1, anointed, 2, sealed, 3, earnest. Not tongues but the following things are real evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, crying, Abba, Father, the Spirit of adoption, also Romans chapter 8 verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, power, love, and sound mind. Since the second epistles, excepting 2 Corinthians, are prophetic, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 especially characterizes the Holy Spirit's work today. The Christian is born of the Spirit, John chapter 3 verse 6, is persecuted by those born of the flesh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 29, is guided into all truth by the Holy Spirit, John chapter 16 verse 13. The love of God is shed abroad in his heart, Romans chapter 5 verse 5, therefore, he will be conscious of the love of God toward us, and, in us, 1 John chapter 3 verses 14, 23 to 24, 5, 1 to 2. And he will confess the Lord Jesus Christ has come in flesh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 2. If the Spirit of God is not grieved and has the unhindered place in our lives and hearts, we will be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Manifestation of signs to confirm this is not needed, but there will be submission to the word, worship to God and ministry for edification to the assembly. In conclusion, let us consider Israel which was brought out of Egypt with signs and wonders, Psalm chapter 78 verses 11 to 16, 20, 24, 27, 32, Acts chapter 7 verse 36. God cast out the nations of the land so wonderfully and gave it to the Israelites for an inheritance. It was manifested that they were God's chosen, earthly people, the possessors of the oracles of God, Romans chapter 9 verses 4 to 5, but they rejected their Messiah, God's dear Son, when he was here on earth, therefore. Judaism with its divinely appointed service was set aside, as a defiled camp. From which Christians were exhorted to go forth, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 13, to the blessed person of our Lord Jesus Christ as being the only gathering center that God now recognizes. A word of warning. In these perilous times in which we are living we need to be very careful of the spirit of error, 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, for there are many false prophets gone out into the world, 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. A very simple test for these spirits is, are they abiding in the apostles' doctrine as to the person of Christ, God manifest in flesh, 1 Tim, 3.16. If such confess not this, clearly they belong to those of the spirit of error, by their fruits ye shall know them, Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 to 20. And scripture is very clear as to how Christians should deal with such teachers, 2 John chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. An example of Satan's counterfeit is Saul prophesying under the influence of the evil spirit while at the same time he seeks to kill David, 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 10. Also there was a lying spirit in the prophets of Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 22 verse 22. Strong delusions and satanic miracles to deceive are allowed of God as a judgment upon those who receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, see 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 to 12. Working of miracles is no evidence of the Holy Spirit's power. Satan has always worked miracles to deceive, and one of the characteristic signs of the end time is that Satan will work many miracles to deceive if it were possible the very elect. Read carefully these references on this subject, Exodus chapter 7 verses 8 to 12, 20 to 22, Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 1 to 3, Matthew chapter 24 verse 24, and Revelation chapter 13 verses 13 to 14, 16, 13 and 14. The Spirit of God gives special warning of seducing spirits, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, which we find at work in false cults, spiritism, etc. They often impersonate or pretend to be the Spirit of God, but the true character is revealed by the fact that they rest the Scriptures seeking always to undermine the truth as to God and Christ, heaven and hell.
eternal punishment, the resurrection of the body, the vicarious atonement, the deity of Christ, etc. Many in our days are giving heed to deceiving spirits and to the teaching of demons who speak lies in hypocrisy. Dear reader, let us remember, all scripture is enough for the man of God to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works, 2 Tim, 3.16-17. Timothy was exhorted to preach the word, 2 Tim, 4-2. The word of God is very clear for those, who have ears to hear. Let us flee from the voice of strangers, John chapter 10 verse 5. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, how can one blaspheme against the Holy Ghost today? Jesus said that it was one sin that can never be forgiven, Mark chapter 3 verses 28 to 29. Read also verse 30, because they said, he has an unclean spirit. It would be well for us to first inquire what the Lord called, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. In the more detailed account given in Matthew chapter 12 verses 22 to 32 we find the Lord Jesus had healed a blind and dumb man by delivering the subject from a demon and when the man, both spake and saw, all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Thus the shining forth of the glory of David's Lord and Son was what aroused the Pharisees and scribes, Mark chapter 3 verse 22, to this blasphemy. This fellow does not cast out demons but by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Some time before, in Matthew chapter 9 verse 34 they had said something very much the same, but the Lord Jesus had passed it over in grace as ignorant. But now, after he had been on the mountain, Mark chapter 3 verse 13, and in prayer all night to God, Luke chapter 6 verse 12, and sent out the twelve, more light had in grace come to them. And now it was no longer a dumb man as in Matthew chapter 9 verse 32 but one, blind and dumb. The grace and power of God was equal to it all, by the Spirit of God. He cast out the demons, Matthew chapter 12 verse 28. Then it was manifest so much that the poor heathen had been able to recognize that here the finger of God was at work, Luke chapter 11 verse 20, Exodus chapter 8 verse 19, but in willful blindness. They attributed this work of the Holy Spirit in grace to Beelzebub, Satan. They have both seen and hated both me and my father, John chapter 15 verse 24. Here is where the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost lay. These Pharisees and scribes who had the privilege of all the light, the kingdom of God had come unto them and the king was in their midst so that even the people said, Is not this the son of David, ascribed the act of casting out the demon to the power of Satan? Let it be stated once again, in willful enmity against God's beloved son and servant in whom God was well pleased, Matthew chapter 12 verse 18, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1, they attributed the work Christ did by the power of the Holy Spirit to Satan. There was no forgiveness to them as we read in Matthew chapter 12 verses 31 to 32, Mark chapter 3 verse 28, Luke chapter 12 verse 10. It is a question if this blasphemy against the Holy Ghost can be committed today, one lacks the circumstances. Now a word to any troubled soul which Satan may have harassed with the suggestion that it is no use for you to seek the forgiveness of God for your many sins, you may have sinned against the Holy Ghost. The very fact that anyone is at all anxious to learn of forgiveness as to their many, many sins, shows that the Holy Spirit is still at work, John chapter 16 verse 8. This would not be if you were beyond hope. As another has well said, we do not believe that any sinner in the acceptable year, this day of salvation, is beyond the reach of the pardoning love of God and the atoning blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ, his God's, Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7.